0: Welcome to Shading the Culture. This is Sophia. I'm Joe,
1: And I'm Neverlene.
0: And today we have a special guest with us. We're so excited. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. We have with us Tisha. And Tisha, I'm going to butcher your last name. Kofi. So,
2: uh, I will save you trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Tisha, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, so my name is Tisha Griswold Kofi. It is a really long name, so I'll just go by Tisha G. Kofi. I am in my final year of doctoral studies, so I'll be finishing brain. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's been a long journey. Um, I primarily specialize in um, racial identity work within professional workspaces, uh, primarily zoning in on the African-American experience. Um, mm-hmm. I also work at the University of Utah I'm in academic affairs, so I work full time while I was also finishing up my doctorate. And, Dang, girl. Yeah, yeah, I'm a pretty boring <laughs> person. So I'll just stick to like simple, simple things. Just kind of taking up most of my time, but yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you all for inviting me. Oh my gosh, thank
0: you for coming. Thank you for yeah. coming. We appreciate you, girl. So, um, Tisha and I know each other because Tisha was one of the co-chairs for the, um... oh my gosh.
1: Girl, you (laughs) drawing a blank? You drawing a blank? Through a blank.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Black Faculty and Staff Association at the University of Utah. And okay. a funny story, they had been sending me, like, emails and stuff for a year, and I never responded to any of the emails. Shame on me. Um, and then one day, I oh. randomly decided to actually go to one of the meetings, and everybody there was super cool and super chill. So then I ended up actually joining the association. and uh, Yes, and certainly so wow. a snob. <laughs> Sophia is not a snob. Okay. But anyways, let's get to it. I'm excited because today I do the Black Excellence, and um, I could have chosen to do anyone in the history of Ghana, but like I like the idea of sticking to you know the modern pioneers hmm. from our different countries. So today I'm actually going to be highlighting someone who I've been following for a little bit. Her name is. Bozima um, St. John her maiden name is um, Arthur so Bozima is currently the chief marketing officer for Morris Endeavor and Morris Endeavor is kind of like a talent agency they work with like movie studios and um, music studios and stuff she is from Ghana originally uh, she's been living in the States since she was about 12, though. But she still is very much rooted to her Ghanaian roots. She was originally, early in her career, she was working with Beats by Dr. Dre. So she's responsible for like all that marketing that you saw with Beats and stuff. She actually led nice. the transition um, when uh, Beats was bought by Apple. Uh, So she then worked with Apple for a little bit. Then she went to Uber as kind of like the first, their first marketing strategy um, leader for Uber, and then recently just left Uber to now work with Morris. So she is my definition of Black Girl magic because she basically turned Beats around and helped Beats get to where Apple then bought beats out and then mm. was responsible for that whole acquisition so i've been following for her for a while she has like a ton of honors in 2015 she was uh billboards top she was in billboards uh top woman in music she got that award in 2016 she was female executive of the year also in 2016 she was in fortune magazines 40 under 40 Um, And then she's also won awards for 100 most creative people, um, 50 most creative people and innovatives under the age of 40. She was in Ebony Magazine as one of the 100 most powerful executives. So she is just a trailblazer um, in the marketing industry. And I tip off my hat to her Um. again. So that's who I am honoring this for Black History Month as one as one of the modern day pioneers from Ghana. So good job, Bozima.
1: Good job, girl. Oh, Thank you, um, Sophia, for sharing that with us. But um, we're gonna move on
0: um, <laughs> to some mess. To some mess.
1: All right. So today we'll be talking about Gail, the Gail King and Lisa Leslie interview. Um. So when I first heard about the story, I the first thing I saw was uh, Snoop Dogg and, you know, the hair ties that we wear to go to bed on, <laughs> <laughs> on like, Instagram Live or something like that. And he's just, like, going in on her. And so I went and I, I don't like to follow or go with, you know, whatever Twitter is, you know, highlighting, you know. Because I think there's like a culture of people just, oh, this is what's hot for the minute. So I was like, let me check it out for myself and see what happens. So basically, she reached out to Lisa Leslie to have an interview with her in light of um, the uh, Kobe Bryant passing along with um, the other uh, eight or nine the pass- uh, seven passengers that were on the helicopter. Um, mm-hmm. She reached out to Lisa Leslie because her um, Lisa Leslie is a longtime friend of Kobe Bryant, especially um, in their earlier years of playing with each other. And from the interview, which seemed like it was a lot, it was just one aspect of the interview that people honed in on. And in the interview, she talked
0: about, or hold she on, asked hold her. On. So, hold on, hold yeah. on. So for those of you that don't know, Lisa Leslie is actually a WNBA player. Right, um, right. And she yes. plays for the female counterparts of the Lakers.
1: Yes, and I wish I remember... <laughs> What the name of the uh, team was, but uh, yes. The
0: Sparks, right? They're the LA, I want to say they're the LA Sparks.
1: Okay, good looking out, Sophia, for that one. Um, Yeah, so in the interview, she basically asked her about her feelings on the Colorado case that uh, Kobe Bryant had. Um, And um, people's reaction to that question just, I think... Well, we could talk about people's reaction to that question, but um, Snoop Dogg and Boozy Gang came out and, you know, was just attacking Gail and Oprah and accusing them of trying to tear down black men and not holding white men accountable for doing the same acts that black men are accused of or taking them to task in the same way. Um, And so, yeah. Like, what do you guys think about? Uh, what are what are your reactions to that story?
3: Um. So I will say, like, first of all, so at first I saw like the backlash that was happening because I wasn't aware of what's going on because we, oh no, I don't stay on mm-hmm. social media like that. But I went and I watched the interview, and I like, I feel like the reaction does not match what actually happened, right? Like, I feel like there's uh. Like, it's not quite, like, I feel like the reaction is quite escalated compared to what actually, um, happened because in it, what she did was she asked her, she was like, for you this Kobe also have like a complicated legacy because of the this 2003 like allegation. And um, Lisa Leslie said to her, you know, he didn't, um, that's not the type of person that I remember him being. And um, she said, well, you know, like there's other NBA players who like, you know, if we went out into a bar or something would be like, oh, help me get that girl or whatnot. But Kobe was never like that. And then Gail said to her simply, she simply said, well, you know what, what, um, it's never, people never think their friends come off that way. That's what she said. But I feel like the, the, the feedback that's like coming at her is kind of like, oh, she kept on pushing for it. She kept mm-hmm. on pushing for it. And then now I'm like, which I'm like, I think you're shooting yourself in the foot with like Snoop Dogg bringing Harvey Weinstein. It's like, so did you think that Kobe and Harvey Weinstein were in the same leagues. Like, like, I'm not quite sure what it was. So I
1: think what Snoop's point was is that you, when it comes to situations having to do with rape or, like, you are not calling people like Harvey Weinstein to task the same way you were calling Black men to task. And so that is... Did she attack Kobe when it first came out? Did she interview Kobe and then went for his back? She asked the question. I think as a journalist, she's allowed to do that because that's her job. But people's um, reaction is that that was the second part. Some people had an issue with the second part where she was like, oh, well, you wouldn't know that. Because then it seems like you're trying to you weren't satisfied with her answer. And it was kind of like a leading response into you know uh like having or being more controversial that's how people took it and so they're talking about people like Oprah and and Gail that history that's where the attack is coming from
0: I think I would love to hear your thoughts on this
2: my thoughts are um I haven't been following it, but I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm not surprised. I am yes. I am so unsurprised that I have mm-hmm. chosen not even to engage <laughs> in right. the social media <laughs> discussions around this because I'm not surprised. And I understand mm-hmm. from a systematic standpoint that talking about this, especially in regards to African American men or men of African descent, that makes money. that makes life and so from from a historical perspective the stereotype of us being you know rapists who are out to take you know the white man's woman has been attached to to men of African descent for centuries right Mm -hmm. and so if you know these individuals who are on these high platforms who have the power and have you know, the ability to be seen on a large, you know, media platform, this sells for them, right? And then when Mm -hmm. we do see, you know, Euro American men or white men being brought up about rape allegations, people don't care as much. It's almost like it's not news because to the conscious of American, the consciousness of American culture, that's outside of the norm to them. So it's not that big of a deal. But because mm. that stereotype, that stereotype is attached to men of African descent, then it goes right. like, "Oh yeah, there goes another one," and then everybody's following it, and, and and it's a big issue. But then, from the perspective of individuals like Gail and Oprah, you got to understand one of the <laughs> the least of their worries is is supporting and standing up for the community. They got oh, millions of dollars. Oh, you
1: believe that? You believe that? You really? Believe I mean, that?
2: I will say it like this. Oh, I'll say it like this. God. They've done a lot of great things. They, and I'm not knocking them for that. They've done a lot of great things Have helped a lot of great people. But when you're in positions of power like that, the game is very different. And your perspective on life and business is very different from little, you know, lowly people like you and I. That is right.
3: <laughs> right,
2: mm-hmm. and, and, that, and it's a very different experience. We cannot put ourselves in their positions with that much power and that much money To try to make the decisions that we would make, that we consider to be a good person, you know, in the positions that we are, and so, 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 mm, yeah, and so so when they choose to do things like this, Mm. when we see celebrities do things like this, attack other, you know, African American uh, people or the community of individuals of African descent, Mm. it's it's not new, and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be surprised. Because at the end of the day, what are we going to yeah. do to them besides council culture? But at, at the end of the day, that's not going to stop them from getting money. That's not <laughs> going to really stop really them really from really getting money. You know? really So they can really care really less really about how much you bash them and what they look like to the black community. Because a, lot, a majority of us are still going to support them. And a, a majority of the Euro-American population or white population are going to support them. Euro-Americans sign their paychecks. they could care less about what 20,000 of us say we hate you we don't like you we can tweet all we want but they ain't losing no sleep and they ain't you know getting a pay cut
1: that's true you're right you're
3: exactly Mm. right on that I mean I but I just don't think that this is like really fair though right because I feel like when it comes down to it we're talking about this just from like a racial perspective but I'm like Gill is also a woman too Which I can understand her thinking like there's value to be said because when she asked the question to Lisa Leslie, she also addressed the fact she said to her as a woman. So like, I think like, why do like, why is it that this has to be like an attack on black men? Because what she's calling out, what she's calling out, hold on. What she's calling out is something that actually did happen. Like, because I feel like when someone dies, all of a sudden people are like, "We should only remember right. the things that they did." And I'm not saying that Kobe is a bad person, but that was part of Kobe's yeah, history. But
0: just it was. But there's a problem. What's wrong with her addressing it. it in an I get interview? It. I get where she was coming from and like being like, "Oh, let's not forget that Kobe also had this thing that happened," right? Where he was accused of rape and all kinds of things. I think the timing of it, right, necessary pulling like, that out right now, right when his memorial has just been announced. Actually, I mm-hmm. think the memorial was even announced after. It was passing right?
1: out like, like it was after like a few days or three days afterwards. That's when they announced yeah, the memorial.
0: Like, Wh- I like it. He hasn't been gone for long enough for us to be like, all right, now let's remember all this stuff. It's like, it's too soon, Gail what would be Well, long here's the thing i think it be, be long enough but it's it's too soon gail it's it's too it, it, soon. it is
1: right because i think that we're i'm thinking about their family gigi like her to have to go to school and have to deal with this whole like imagine her going to school and hear about gail king and all of that coming you know and she has to deal with the loss of her dad and i understand the media is the media is the entertainment they got to get you know but it's so cold in that sense like give us a minute you know i do think that we can discuss that part because it is part of his legacy but i think what people are having an issue with when it comes to gail and oprah and especially because it was her is not use um having that same energy because we like i don't know if you guys heard about but johnny depp got a cake who's talking about that you know mm, what I mean and I'm true. not saying that these cases of rape are important and I do think we do need to have those conversations but we got to keep that same because I think he had this blemish in his history it's like something bad that happened and you know um, he is human and, mm. and hold on hold, I'm, like... not, I'm not trying to say that I'm not giving him a justification or anything like that but he did something wrong. And I can't, I, I think in this time, it probably probably wasn't the best time to have that come. Maybe. And I don't think if we were to bring it up in two months or three months that people would be okay with it. So there's a lot of um, layers to this because um, I think people just don't want, because he's dead, we should never talk about it. And I don't believe, I personally don't believe that. But I do think that timing is important, especially because I'm thinking about his family, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, to me, the thing that bothered me about it was really the timing. And like, um, to Tisha's point, you know, she could have the she could have brought the same energy to other interviews she's had about um, other men who've had the same accusations. But like, she was talking to another black woman about a black man, and like, not not that she was hyped but... about it, but like. Even Lisa Leslie, when the question was asked, she was like, yeah, I mean, the charges were dismissed. Like, he did go through the process of trying to clear his name during that
3: situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah, she, and even Gail herself then repeated, yeah, yes. The but the fact that she kept pressing, I think is what people had issue with. Yeah, is that she exact. kept and pressing she, about right, it. Right,
3: right. I... Well, I think, um, like, personally speaking, like, Gail is, like, what, in her 60s at this point, or, like, late 50s? And she's been a journalist for a very long time. I think she already knew how that conversation was going to go with Lisa Leslie. Mm -hmm. Because, hello, you're asking, well, you're asking a friend of his. So who better than his friend who would actually be able to, like, defend him, right? Because it wasn't like she was asking someone who clearly had a thing against Kobe, she realized that mm. so I think like people need to give her credit for that and we don't need to make it seem like she's this like because I'm like she's getting death threats I think that's too far like what I'm sorry <laughs> that, no.
0: that's
1: too much it's way too much it's ridiculous it's way too much
3: no no
0: well let's uh let's
1: that was move a good That's towards... a lot to
0: unpack oh gosh girl yeah there's a <laughs> we lot to go there's on. a lot <laughs> <laughs> But let's get to the good stuff. The reason why Tisha is here is that we are going to be discussing part three of our Diaspora conversation. And today we are focusing on colorism. Which, once again, yo, I feel like we picked some really heavy topics. (laughs) For
1: the
0: day. For for this uh, series. Um, But first... Let us discuss what is colorism, and anyone, you know, feel free to oh, jump in here. What, what, is, <laughs> <laughs> what is colorism? Um,
3: so I would, um, I would say that colorism is. Uh, like take like racism but put it within the actual community right having to do with like the spectrum of colors that are represented within the community and usually I would say like colorism is um well like it's very rampant in more ethnic communities Mm -hmm. I would say because like I guess white is kind of like white is white is white um but like within the ethnic communities it's you know like light skin versus dark skin versus Medium skin versus whatever else there is.
2: Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with that definition. It is really just um, present prejudice and discrimination based on um, the shade of an individual's uh, skin, and it's primarily uproots out of you know social and cultural perceptions around various skin colors what they mean what they mean around beauty what it brings to access so it's really just discriminating based on those social and cultural meanings of um skin color and you see that a lot within um um, the same race and same ethnic groups. Um, I think that in particular to our country, you see it just across the board, <laughs> so it infiltrates everything, mm. not just um, within the African American community. You see it a lot in you know India and Brazil. Um, right,
3: yeah, yeah, mm, yes,
0: yes, in India, yep. mm, yeah, yeah. In, India does it's have definitely. that whole caste
3: system, yeah, mm. in the yeah. Hispanic community, Absolutely. everywhere, right. <laughs> basically
0: yes so y'all how did it affect the black community in particular Mm.
1: (laughs) I think I don't know if you guys have like watched the show but I got into the show blackish and you Uh know Tracy Ellis Ross plays what's his name Dre's wife on the show and they also came up with a show called Mixish
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: girl um when i think about the like the stories that are told there versus and like the the experiences that i had in this country i think that um there are two different experiences between you know depending on your shade of color um, as far as, like, where where exactly do you stand? There's, like, envy. And if the world, is telling you having lighter skin, is um, beauty or beautiful, like, more, like, I think, or people desiring that more. I think they created a bit of a rift between, oh, red bones, you know, uh, black or dark skin, I think. It's created a rift in between the black community,
0: um, yeah
3: well i I mean I would take it a step further and say, like you know when it comes to being light skin mm-hmm. versus dark skin, there's a certain level of privilege that's attributed to having lighter skin, right, so you know if we're talking about like within the black community um like We'd say, well, for people who, <laughs> I guess, are not within the Black community who listen, light-skinned would be people like, we'll say like Rihanna, uh, yeah. was it, Beyonce, Beyonce. And then dark-skinned would be Gabriel Union, <laughs> I guess, like, and like Lupita, mm-hmm. I would say, are dark-skinned um kind of and so you know like I think the conversation always tends to be around like the privilege that goes with it right because I know that you know a lot of people attribute Beyonce and um Rihanna like a lot of their success has to do with the fact that they're lighter Mm. skin right versus would they have that same level of success if they were darker skin um sorry well, Kelly Rowland's a spectacular singer, and she's still not on the same level as Beyonce. And we know they started off right. in Destiny's Child together. So, yeah,
2: yeah I think um, one of the most interesting things about what you said is that for individuals who are really at, at that level within society, um, when, colorism usually comes in when we think about marketability, right? um to be you know we need somebody well not, i'm not saying we as in me but just the conversation around you know that particular platform is you know how can we bring somebody in who can who we can physically market to um numerous audiences although they can be african-american we need them to be popular within the european-american community right we need them to be popular. Community, mm, and so I think when we think about that with colorism, we're saying who's going to be the most, you know, marketable. Uh, and I think that primarily within America, our obsession with lighter skin, um, especially from people of African descent, has everything to just do with with racism and and whiteness, right? The lighter right. you are, yeah. the purer you are. It's, it's like the standard of, of, of beauty. Now, I can't mm. speak your, you know, colorism over in historically within Africa. I haven't touched, um, you know, within that area of the research yet. But I do know that within, you know, uh, United States, it, it, it literally revolves around around whiteness. And in some cases, I do believe that it isn't just, you know, these particular people look better or these particular worse. It can be within some people self-hate because if mm. they have a lighter individual, oh. hey, that can increase my status, right? It's like a, a, a status symbol, right? I can I can get this, you know, Euro-American woman. I can get this lighter brown skin woman. They are beautiful when compared to the standard of what the European is. And for some people, I do believe it's a self-hate but I wouldn't necessarily say that for everybody. You really have to look at the reasons why people are saying these things, team light skin, team dark skin, and really say, Hey, well, what do you mean by that? You know, you know, why, why are you saying your team this? Can you, can you kind of unpack that for me? What is your motivation behind, you know, why you choose to, you know, be with or be in a relationship with, or talk to these particular people over, over, you know, this particular individual.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, there is, there has been that kind of crazy thing about hashtags for team dark skin and team light skin. I didn't, I haven't really given much credence to that because, you know, I grew up where like we didn't, I guess, I I don't know, like we didn't really give much stock to the shade of a person's skin color. Uh However... I did realize that we always treated, like, who came to our country better than we treated each other, which always bothered me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that idea of we're still serving the master, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we're still in this phase where we're serving the master. And now that has translated to people are now bleaching their skin to become lighter so that they will then become the master rather than the servant who's serving the master, which is a terrible mentality. I'm not sure how we break away from it. And you
2: know what, Sophia, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we never will. The earth will explode and colorism will still be an issue. And and let me tell you why. It's very simple. Is that thought processes and beliefs such as this are socially conditioned to individuals from the day they are born. And unless, and so here's the thing, we can try to educate people all they want to when they get in high school and get in college. But by that time, they've already been through 18, 20 something years of racism and and, and sexism and oppression and marginalization. And so to try to unlearn, to help unlearn that from people or to reverse that mis-education is, a possibility, but it's gonna be really, really hard. Now, how in the world can we prevent you know colorism unless we're literally, literally, there are officers at each person's house watching over what people say to their children, watching over what people mm, show to their right. children, right? And I'll give you an example, I'll give you an example. Um, there was a little girl who I was um, recently um, around. And she was getting her hair done in braids with um, some extensions in them because the mom wanted it to last longer, right? No big deal. They were, you know, um, a good amount for her age. They were appropriate. But the girl was about two, you know, she was three years old, three years old. And when the girl was almost finished braiding her hair, the dad said, Oh my gosh, you're gonna be like black Elsa, you're gonna have long hair, you're gonna look just as pretty as the white girls in school. And I just I mean, my heart just dropped. Excuse me? Yes, my heart oh my just God. dropped. And when he when she when when the lady actually this yes, black this is, father. actually this, this is, is an African this is black father. father, this is an African he's not even African American. oh Jesus. and so but oh I've heard God. this amongst okay. the African American population as well. And when the lady was dealing with her hair, she said, Oh my gosh, you're gonna be you can't wait to go to daycare um, you know. next week. You're going to be just as pretty as the white girls with their long hair. Oh, you're so pretty. And it was just heart-dropping to me. Now, in that situation, I have a choice. I can either internalize that and say, what the hell is going on? This is just, we're just breeding self hate into our children. Or I can start mm. a conversation with that parent and say, hey, so are you saying that, because she doesn't have long, straight hair, she's not, you know, beautiful as a, as a you know, an a African child. And it's like, no, 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 I didn't mean that. Well, well, how did you mean it? Help me understand why you're saying the words that you're saying, because this is how it's coming off. So unless we're literally patrolling parents on what they say and what they show their children, there's no way we can stop this socialization of, of colorism and, and self-hate within our communities. It's no way. It's no way we can do it.
0: Mm. Oh, That's a
2: really good
1: um insight. Oh, wow. That has Lord. me. Oh my gosh. I mean that has <laughs> girl, that has me feeling some kind of way. Girl, <laughs> yeah. Me yeah too. And, <laughs> and and
2: even Marcus Garvey, he said it is it is it's better to raise strong children than to repair broken me he said me but broken people i'm gonna say people broken people and why is it easier to repair why is it easier to build strong children it's because when they come in they have fresh everything they don't know anything they just they're run off of you know body functions on how they how they survive and they learn and navigate the world based on what we teach them and through their experiences So that way we're able to mold and help shape their perception of how they love themselves and then, you know, how the external world world will treat them. But like I said, once somebody's been, you know, oppressed and um, microaggressed and experienced racism Mm -hmm. for 18 years through media, through parents, you know, through social contact, through education, through the education system, it is almost impossible to unlearn that.
1: Mm-hmm. I have, I have, I have a question, right? So do you believe that like with the millennial generation or people that I, I feel, or I think that people are having more of these conversations and the importance of representation and loving who you are, you're being comfortable in your own skin. Do you think that when that gener, when the gener, these, this generation of people who are having those conversations that maybe more, it will be. It won't be so
2: saturated. I think it's one thing. In the community. Yeah, I think it's one thing to have the conversation, which is important. I try to tell people it is not helpful to just sit and just let stuff just float around and and nobody knows Mm -hmm. what's going on. There's issues, nobody's talking about it. Having that conversation is important, but it's also imperative to understand that conversation, discussion, and education does not necessarily lead to behavior right? Right. And so I think that as we're having these conversations, I think it helps with people being aware and with that, you know, self empowerment and self love. But then the opposite side of that is that we can have these discussions, right? Let's say I'm, I'm talking to y'all every day, I'm having these discussions, I'm really learning how to, you know, love myself, my beautiful brown skin, my natural curly hair, or, you know, my body type. Now, I have that internally, but how is a white supremacist society going to let me navigate within, you know, white supremacist workspaces with, right. with, with that self-love? Mm-hmm. For example, if I wanted to come in with my gigantic massive of Afro and I'm the only African American, you know, working in the, in the, in the, in the workspace, I mean, I could point to a million different articles of people who've lost their jobs. So, in some ways, even the the, the the community and the culture and white supremacy, in some ways, still oppresses the African identity within America in general. Right. So, in some ways, we can love ourselves and express ourselves, but then white supremacy always finds a way to create some policy, you know, or 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 some interaction or prevent you from doing something because. It's not value within American society as a whole, but I still think that we will never grow as a people, uh, uh, or and 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 never get to where we need to be if we just you know don't try in the first place. Because at least I can go into spaces loving myself and be completely comfortable with who I am, and I can go in white supremacist spaces like I do today and not give a damn. <laughs> you can stare at me all you want to with my hair. Come say something to me. You can stare at me all you want about my outfit and my beaded necklaces. Come say something to me. You can stare at me all day with my nice hoop, gold earrings. Come say something to me. So regardless of whatever space I go into, I'm comfortable with who I am and don't nothing nobody say to me, nothing nobody can show me that's going to break my confidence in myself.
0: Mm, Yes. Yes. Y'all, this is why, mm. like, I've always admired Tisha. Like, because Tisha, she was, she just dripping black girl magic and sauce every day. Excellent, all day. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, in terms of how colorism affects our identity, uh-huh. do you think it also plays a role um, and to interact with with each other within our community because I know, like for me, I don't necessarily look at the shade of somebody's skin and determine whether they're pretty or not. Right. For instance, I think Lupita Nyong'o is probably one of the most beautiful people I've seen on this. I second that. Gods mm-hmm. Um her okay. skin is flawless. Okay? Say it again. like I would kill to have that skin but I don't like I don't look at her and then look at Beyonce and compare the two of them because I feel like they're two different kind of beauties right but it's not based on their their skin Uh tone right and so and I also don't go around interacting with people based on how light they Uh are But I think there is this undertone of within the community, do y'all think we interact with each other differently? Hmm. Um,
3: I feel like I wouldn't necessarily say that we react, like, interact with each other differently. Cause I think that sometimes it's a little bit more apparent like when it comes to like relationships, right? Like who someone's willing to be with. Mm. Right. Like who's somewhat like what's your preference, you know? And like of course there's always people who are like, oh like, you know, I just I just prefer like, you know, like light skinned girls or, you know, like that kind of so personally for me, cause you know, I grew up in Nigeria and I didn't come to this country until I was about 10 years old. And I was in the fifth grade and like, I got to the fifth grade. So like in Nigeria, I don't, um, I don't know if I was too young to be aware of colorism. Cause I don't think it was my mom's aunt who raised me was super light. You know, like I was my color and I didn't feel like there was like any difference and whatnot. But when I got here and I went to elementary school, you know, I always had crushes cause I was always boy crazy when I was like in elementary, middle school. And I felt like every boy that I liked always liked this one um, light-skinned girl who was new to the school. And my thing is, like I'd be sitting there, like maybe I was butt her, but I was like, she's not even that pretty. <laughs> I was, like, oh, I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't get it. Like, cause your girl is over here serving looks and personality. You know, I was mean, but still, like she was just like not a good person. Like she was terrible. Like I'm saying, she was playing games with everyone, but yet every single guy in our fifth grade class had a crush on her and I just remember I would go in the this is how like pervasive it is I guess and how it impacted me I remember like I didn't like to play outside that much because you know I wasn't trying to get darker so I was always annoyed with like um PE class when they were like oh we had to be outside doing 10 laps, and I was like but the sun is shining I don't like I don't get it and (laughs) so like I used to like or I would be in the mirror wearing a scarf because I wanted my hair to be like more long and flowy oh god so I'd be like talking to myself in the mirror and the thing about it though is that like I grew up with a very confident mom like my mom is like the epitome of like black is great and you know like my mom is like my mom always says to us she's like I didn't like because my brother like being mean or whatnot might be like oh you're ugly or I tell him he's ugly and my mom would look at us and be like I didn't have any ugly kids all my kids are beautiful so you know it wasn't like I wasn't hearing it at home right so like it's like I'm at home in this safe environment where like you know like um, both my parents are black. My actually, my stepdad is lighter skinned, and um you know, like, and I was getting all of this. Like, I'm from a black family, so of course, like, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you know, you're beautiful, you're this," but yet I would go to school and not feel attractive. But, I mean, I was in a fifth grade, so you know, maybe like we could—that's like a different level. Why <laughs> did I need to be feeling I all? Mean, but whatever. So I feel like that's how like that impacted me, and it, you know, like I've grown to love like. Like, I was confident, but I think that, like, that true self-love I've developed as I've gotten mm-hmm. older.
0: Mm. All right. I hear you. So, I mean, one of the questions that I had is if we can actually resolve this issue of colorism. But Tisha doesn't shut that down. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I do think,
2: down. but I do think, I do, I definitely... Even though you know, to me there is literally nothing you can do. I do think that we still should be doing things to kind of counteract these narratives, to not just be like, oh, oh well, we can't fix it, so we might as well just, you know, chalk it up as an L so and what? go with the flow. So I think even with <laughs> what can we yeah, do? so with starting from the beginning with our children within our our homes, right? Having you know. Parents who instill self-love and, and empowerment into their children. The second thing is what we watch through media. We got to understand that what we, lo- what we learn subconsciously has a much larger impact on us than what somebody verbally says to our faces which is why when mm. when the young lady oh, was right. previously telling her story, when well, she was like, I don't, you know, at home, I was given all this self-love, but yet I still felt, you know, I wasn't pretty enough. My, my thoughts in my head was, you know, I wonder, you know, what, innocent movies you know she was watching through through disney and we all know disney's racist origins through disney through through <laughs> yeah, through, yeah. through you know yeah, music um, you're, and, you're... and 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 mm-hmm. and and, songs yeah, and things like people, that and so we really don't choose disney. to i mean we don't wake up and be like oh what show can i watch so i can be a you know a, be, have racism and colorism against me we don't do that we just right. watch it and we see it as entertainment but there's always you know subliminal, you know, subliminal, I can't, I can't never say, what's subliminal? Subliminal. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Messages <You> <laughs> within what we watch. So being able to, you know, filter out and in and, and some ways, you know, control and, and intentionally, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what our children read, you know. The other thing is having these discussions, as you previously said, having these discussions earlier, not just instilling the love and empowerment, but Helping our, you know, our children and our young adults and our teens understand how the system works. Hey, look, I'm telling you all this. But when you step outside the door of this house, this is what you're going to be told. This is what you go. This is how people are going to treat you. And then this is how you respond to that. This is how you navigate, you know, systematic racism. But then understanding how the system works so that people can be able to navigate that and then understanding and showing people how to put this into practice. is one thing to know the definition and how it plays out in society but then understanding, okay, what am I saying to perpetuate you know, uh, this negativity within my community, just simply saying team light skin, team dark skin, you part of the problem already,
3: <laughs> right. Part of the
2: problem already. So being able to say, you know, question, you know, be intentional about the things we say, understand, you know, why am I saying these things? Why am I, you know, I noticed that I just went out with, 10 light skin mixed women for the past five years. Hmm. I wonder if it's that, is there something in that pattern being able to have those, you know, conversations, those interpersonal conversations with yourself and with other people so that you can learn, you know, how your desires and how your thoughts play out in your behavior. And then so you can adjust accordingly if you need so be.
1: So, it was really interesting that you said that because I think now more than ever with the age of social media and like we're, we have so much more access to celebrities and like the industry and the industry, we could say like white men are, are leading and they put out what we see because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, I'm right now I'm thinking about um shows like Backish and I gotta say that it wasn't till the other day, um, I said to myself, I notice that with shows like Blackish and they came out with Mixedish and they came out with Grownish, I noticed that they're, the spectrum of color isn't too vast, especially with the Grownish show that I was watching. And um I'm thinking even though we're having more like even with movies, you know, even though we're having more Of our stories put out there I'm not seeing a variety of skin tones and colors on the spectrum there and so that I I am disappointed in that because even though they're having those conversations that need to be had it's not being represented on a television television screen to me
2: and Mm -hmm. I think that's a a good observation because I think what we got to understand is that through media you know, the people who are making these decisions and who are putting these shows out define, you know, diversity. And then they're able mm. to control what diversity mm-hmm. comes on these TV shows or not. Now, for example, Sophia, you are gorgeous, just so you know that. Thank and you, And the last time I saw you, you had fairly dark brown skin, beautiful dark brown skin. Now, if we would have put, what was the name of the first show? Blackish, right? Mm-hmm. If, if Blackish had a Somebody would have pitched blackish and said, you know what? We're going to have an entire family that's all dark brown, beautiful people. How many of y'all actually think that would have even, they even made a pilot episode? You think they would have even had a pilot? They would have never put that out there because it goes back to what? One, white supremacy must be protected at all costs. (laughs) And two, how can we make money? What's going to sell? Right? Mm Mm-hmm and that's the thing is that mm -hmm. we can we can get little bouts and we can get little you know things thrown at us that's just like yeah increase in diversity yeah representation Mm -hmm. but you're never gonna get the flood of it that you want as long Mm -hmm. as euro americans are at the head of the table saying this is what diversity looks like and this is how much that we want you know in this show or you know on this sitcom or on this 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 new show that unless mm-hmm. we are able to go and you know create our uh, our own shows or our own and be able to fund our own things where we control what diversity means and how much representation that we want we always gonna get one little yay and then we'll get 10 more you know colorist racist <laughs> movies right. and shows and we'll get one we'll get one um uh, Black Panther movie where we're walking out feeling great and then we'll walk outside and cut on TV and see white supremacy and we can't see ourselves nowhere
1: <laughs> it's true because uh, the grownest show I feel like, I feel like is, this girl, is this girl supposed to be like the token dark skin oh, so, <laughs> like, mean,
0: girl I'm, like, I'm not familiar with the show so I can't speak to that
1: no, but but that's the thing. That's my thought process. All I'm seeing is like i have only seen one, mm-hmm. you know, person who shares the same shade as me, and I'm not even like
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: I'm not even far. Aren't the twins dark? No, though? they're not. They're not. They're not dark. They, not they a, are not. They're, they're light
3: skinned skin. Oh my bad. They're not even
0: twins. They, they just, just they're sisters. sisters. Yeah, and Holly. Yeah,
3: they're
1: not. No, dark. they're not.
0: They are not. Oh, see, so. I didn't- See, I don't mm-hmm. even watch that show, so I can't speak to that. But to your point, Tisha, I think it's very interesting that, like, you're right. Like, diversity is defined by whoever is, like, writing the checks and making sure the movies happen. And so I think it's interesting that Tyler Perry now has his own studio, oh right? God. But <laughs> was hold on. <laughs> that was Joe. But hold on. <laughs> Because I know why she's saying, oh, my God. <laughs> because, y'all, Tyler Perry has not put out a good product in a hot minutes <laughs> that we can support. But he does do a good job of diversifying his cast. Um, so do you think we need, like, and also, here's a, another great thing that's happening. Issa Rae is now putting out more
1: yes girl stuff
0: mm-hmm. and like her stuff i can at least get behind and like you know i'm obviously hoping her valentine's day movie that's coming out will be amazing mm-hmm. um the photograph so everybody go out and see it free so promo discuss oh. um, <laughs> but like people like Issa ray and tyler Perry are out there um oprah you know is has a network that puts out things um, <laughs> for people to watch. um so do we need more of that is that what we're missing as as a well, community are we missing people who will be the check writers and make sure that they're defining or redefining the ideas of diversity that is out in Hollywood or in the media in general see
1: you know, I got to make a point about Tyler Berry.
0: Here's my question.
1: <laughs> right. I'm just going to make one quick note. I really appreciate that he he is giving people of color, black people, um, these opportunities. But mm-hmm. I'm going to need him to let other people into the into the writer's room. I'm going to need that. I'm going to need that. Like, let's have some of those same people into the writer's
0: room. That, that's the only thing I wanted to... Um, it's true cuz he's the yeah. only one that does the writing for any of his movies. Right. right. Yeah. Also, um Tyler Perry if you are listening to this, I do think
3: that you should start a dating service because I think he would make a lot of money cuz he always has some really attractive mm. people and by You mean men? I'm specifically the men. <laughs> Yes, but the women are also attractive, too. But Tyler Perry, break me off a bit of a point when you do start that dating. <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs>
0: or am I right? Well... You guys, this has been such a great conversation. I wish we could we could keep going. We might invite Tisha back because she has so much great insight. But mm-hmm. let's do our mindful minutes and then wrap up the show for this week.: Okay, friends.
3: All right, okay, so the mindful minute for today is, um, I know like maybe perhaps not everyone who's listening is um, spiritual. But um, today at church, um, like if you're familiar with the story of the talents, and um, I think like it's in the Bible, but even if you don't read the Bible, basically God gave talents to some people, and some people maximized on it, and um, other people did not maximize on it, but... I just wanted to read this quote by Maya Angelou called, um, where she says, I believe that every person is born with talent. And um, so when I think about talent, I think about things that we're good at. I think about strength, which I think this kind of goes along with our topic that we discussed um, on colorism, how it's so important for us to highlight these beautiful black and brown babies what their talents are what they're good at right so that it's not so important to focus on what's going on on the outside as much as what's going on on the inside Mm. so basically my mindful minute for this week is to highlight your strengths figure out what your strengths are and lean into those
0: awesome thanks josephine and thank you tisha for joining us this week like it ah, has been you. a pleasure oh, yes. having you on here.
2: So very welcome. Y'all make sure y'all invite me back now. We, we will.
0: will for sure. <laughs> we will. We will. <laughs> all right. All right. You guys, make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We are on Instagram and Facebook under Shading the Culture. And, of course, make sure to send us emails and give us your feedback. Our email is shadingtheculture@ at gmail.com that is shading d a culture at gmail.com thank you for listening we'll see you next week Bye. bye
3: bye